0: If you're a passionate coloured pencil artist or an aspiring one who's looking to create their best work and a joyful life you love, you're in the right place. Grab a cuppa and a custard cream. Let's get cracking. My guest this week is someone who I have followed for quite some time and I'm in absolute awe of his pencil work and also his oil work. I'm delighted and slightly humbled to be speaking to the amazing artist, David Sandal. We talk about all sorts of things and, and both of us get a bit giddy about Lost Edges. <laughs> so do, do have a listen. What a fantastic, fantastic man to be speaking to. I really wanted to chat to you because you have been definitely one of my inspirations as an artist just... Just starting out in art sort of 2016 when I started. And when I saw your pieces in the UKCPS exhibitions and kind of in the um, talking point, the UKCPS magazine, I was just like, oh my goodness. And I've also got a portrait book and I'm, I think it's an Anne Kohlberg portrait book. And you've got a few pieces in there as well. Just absolutely. Oh, okay. it's not kind at all. It's 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 true. And what I love about your work is that you use color pencil like I use color pencil, but you also use you use color pencil to do your initial sketches before you do a big oil painting. That's correct. Which I think is wonderful. So I just I just wanted to talk to you really about you and your work and uh, you know how you got into art and what you because you're not a full time artist, are you?
1: No, I'm actually uh, I still run a design agency. My background is in advertising and design, I suppose. But I was a freelance illustrator for years. A jobbing illustrator, I think you could call it, where you basically have to do what the client's asked you to do. You know, whether it be an engine or a, a map or a figure drawing in the style of something. So basically, you don't choose how to do it. You have to meet a brief. And it usually has a deadline. But what that does, it teaches you to sort of watch the clock. And you build a lot of experience, I guess, but I've always kind of sketched and drawn anyway. You get to a point where you think, actually, I want to do what I want to draw rather than being told what, what, what to do. Uh, although I do commissions, I do try and retain creative control if I do a portrait commission. So I'm kind of choosing how it, the composition and the lighting and everything. But yeah, I just, I just love it. It's... Um, I mean, as an artist, you know what it's like. We are slightly mad, aren't we? You have dark moments and uh, moments of euphoria. But it's, uh, yeah, I just love it. And I'm I'm constantly thinking about art all day, every day. Yeah. it's, um, It's always on my mind. Even in the middle of the night, I'll have an idea, and I think, I've got to write that down. And it could come from a book or a piece of music or something I've seen. Quite often it's a book, though. If I read a, read a book and I just think, oh, I've just got to draw this character. And I try and find a model that fits that. Yeah. So quite often I'm drawing portraits for myself.
0: Yeah, that's really fascinating. Because And because, you know, you, you can draw from life, you can draw, you know, just put pencil to paper and you can draw. And uh, m- me included, there are so many people who struggle to, I mean, I can draw. To be fair, I'm being I'm being unkind to myself. You
1: can clearly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I can draw, but it's not. And and I keep on I keep on saying to myself, I must go and do some life drawing classes. And, and there is one probably about an hour away from me that I could I could join. And there's always something that's stopping me. It's probably dark nights and all of that kind of thing. But when you talk about, you know, something inspires you in a book and then it's like, oh, I just need to, um, you know, draw this character that's like the most fantastic thing that, that somebody can actually then just go, oh, I'd just love to draw this character. I need to f- find a model that kind of uh, looks a little bit like that character in my head. And then off you go and draw it. That's just wonderful. That must mm-hmm. be a wonderful mm-hmm. feeling to know that you can just put your pencil on the paper and draw.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not actually inventing them. I'm actually trying to find reference. For example, a typical example was I read a book years ago before he was prime minister. Boris Johnson's book on the Churchill factor. It, Churchill was a, you know, he was a Marmite character himself. But there was some fascinating insights in there. Because Boris Johnson's a good writer, regardless of what you think about him as a politician. And he adds a bit of source, as, as he as journalists do. But I just thought, I'd just love to draw Churchill. But of course, he's not alive. So you have to use what's available on the internet. But I tried to create my own drawing of Churchill from various sources. And I just put a quote behind them, you know, we shall defend this island, et cetera, et cetera. And I put the quote behind the drawing. So the drawing basically was a compilation of different reference material, but with my twist on it. And as I say, it could be music that makes me want to draw something. It's uh, but it's yeah, I mean I've uh, predominantly portraits over the last 10 years, but um I don't I do a lot of seascapes and landscapes now in oils. But as you say, I always go back to colour pencils. I just think they're so versatile.
0: But you have a really lovely way of getting the pencil down on the paper. So it's almost like a minimalist. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Because it's obviously not minimalist because you have to get the layers and everything down. But it's not, you know, layer after layer after layer and burnishing and, you know, different colours and whatever. You, You know, you have a way of just being able to put pencil onto paper for it then to live and breathe but it not be overly done it's almost like a less is more that I get with your pieces
1: yeah I understand what you're saying I I use a really restricted palette I mean quite often I'll do a drawing with just three or four pencil colors because quite the same painting to be honest it's a very useful exercise to do an oil painting even with just three or four colors you know a very limited palette because what it does it simplifies everything. You know, this I, I often ask for what's much my tip with color pencils. I just say, don't feel you have to use every color in the in the tin. You could get away with three or four pencils. You know, like the masters used to use a, a tone. We, we both use tone paper, don't we? We both use tone paper because it gives you that option of taking the the values in both directions, and you've already got the middle value there.
0: That exactly, exactly. I've just been using the tone paper for the one I've been doing, but I mean, I use all the pencils hundreds <laughs> that's actually a lie I probably don't I probably once I'm into a piece I probably only one of my own pieces probably only use about five or six pencils yeah
1: you're probably using variations of one color yes rather than every color in the tin you're probably using I don't know a burnt cyan and orange and a, which are very similar in terms of yes. the color but just different uh hues I guess but yeah. um all related so yeah I think I, I even if I'm doing a landscape there's predominantly only a few colors in it sometimes mm. I mean artists love doing landscapes either in the morning or evening because the light's more interesting exactly and generally it does narrow the, the the palette you're working with because it's either pink or orange or whatever in the evening but that that's fascinating as well I mean uh I particularly like, I'm I'm very interested in the sea, seascapes, because I I always think of it, it has the same kind of characteristics as skin. The sea and skin don't have a colour. They're basically the reflection of what's around them and what lies beneath. And I find that quite fascinating, because with a portrait, you could have purples, greens, blues, everything in there. It's not pink. So to start with a flesh color, I was a bit suspicious when somebody says use the flesh color. Well, which flesh is that mm. <laughs> so They
0: don't call them flesh anymore. They've changed. No, them they more. don't.
1: It's that's right. And I think, but as you know, the the range of color pencils now is just fantastic. They've come such a long way in the last twenty years.
0: I mean, they are amazing. But you then you're, you you you're absolutely right because then what happens when people are learning? I mean, I I must get about. I don't know, 10 to 20 emails a day saying, please, can you help me with this colour? I've got this dog to draw, I've got this cat to draw, whatever. Please, can you help me with this? What colours do I need? And, and you know, and I'll, and I'll answer and I'll say, oh, well, this, that and the other. But actually, you, you don't have to match. The colours aren't really that important.
1: No, you know, you know, that's a very important point, I think. And I I, I run classes locally. And one of the th- most important things is really, Having a color strategy, particularly with landscapes, because we're never going to match the, the quality of human, of, of nature. The colors in nature, you just cannot match. So you have to come up with a, a strategy to try and give your own twist on those colors. And you do that by bringing in complementary colors or split complementaries or triadic colors. And, Color is a is a, as you know is a science in itself, which I wouldn't even attempt to get into, but just understand the the fundamentals. And um, you're yeah, having a color strategy, whether to portrait or a, a landscape or a still life, is very important because we just cannot. I mean, you can't paint the sun. You can't you can't match the color of a flower. You can try, but because we can't match it, we have to come up with some way of bringing that color yellow out of the flower by introducing its complementary which makes it brighter so there's all sorts of little visual tricks artists use to make the most of their palette it's, it's a learning curve every day isn't it
0: i mean it really is i keep on putting myself on mute because the puppy's going mental behind me i might have to go and put her in a cage <laughs> i think she's got something she's going, um <laughs> yeah, do you know it it really is and i think i think people get really hung up on color yeah, you know, I, I think they get it's almost like they get stuck. I, I can't get this color right. And for me, I I, I kind of say, Do you know what, just try and forget about color. Just just, you know, think about the values. Think about your lights and your darts. For me, that's the most important part it of is. realism. It, and, and actually, you know, you're you're getting so het up about getting an exact match to a color on a photograph. and It doesn't it doesn't matter you know you could have a you could have a bright pink horse i've done some pieces just recently where i've retouched them so i've taken photographs i've retouched them in photo, photoshop and i've put them all as like bright colours all sorts of different colours so there's a grey horse that is pink and yellow and blue still looks incredibly real but because you've got the good the values there and you've got the lights and the darks and all of the shading the colour's not real because you don't get that coloured horse but it still looks real because of and this is what i try to put over to people that you know when you're drawing a pet or something like that yeah it's important too but then you know you're saying like with a portrait we see so many amazing portraits they don't look like uh you get the photorealism stuff yeah. but you don't have yeah. the portraits where you know they're done with oil or color pencil or ever where they're they're like perfect skin color you've got all of those beautiful hues in there and all of those different you know like you were saying blues and greens and yellows and purples as well as the pinks and everything and that's what makes it a beautiful piece of yeah. art,
1: really. Yeah, I think with colour, yeah, I agree with you. It's um, there's, there's a phrase I use, which I get from an American artist who said said to me, "You know, colour gets all the credit; value does all the work." I love
0: that. It's true. <laughs> I'll be quoting you. <laughs> colour, yeah, it. Colour,
1: is. has to have value, but value doesn't have to have colour. no Value is so important. Getting those values, comparing it across the piece regularly. And I quite often say to people, look, take a rest, stand back. Don't sit over it all the time. Give your eyes a rest. Have another look at it with fresh eyes after a break. Um, And does that part match? Is that as dark as this piece over here? You have to constantly keep matching across your drawing, Uh, Mm -hmm. which is why a break makes you see things you didn't see if you're hovering and rendering for hours on end. I mean, you know what it's like when you do something, you come back to it the next morning and you think, oh my goodness, that's all wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if, I guess the other thing as well with colour pencils is because they're such a tight medium, we do have our nose literally on the on the paper half of the yes. time. You know, and I've I've invested in this chair now that I've got it's a Herman Miller chair, and it goes all the way back. <laughs> wonderful it's most wonderful thing you think you're falling and then it stops you but it's it's fantastic because I can be sitting and drawing and I can just sit back and have a look at it because I like to see my pieces the whole thing and and regularly take a really big step back or lean back in my chair because you can see the whole thing then and you're not just so many times I've draw I've been drawing an eye or something and I'm there for like you know what seems like hours right up there sit back and I'm like well it's all wrong <laughs> Because you're seeing it at that such, you know, almost like magnified.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You you see it with the context around it. It, um, Yeah.
1: I think it's difficult because also traditionally colour pencil artists are sitting down, aren't they? Yes. The classes I do, in their general art, there's a general art class. And I say, get out and walk around for a bit because you're sitting down all the time. I cannot sit down and draw. I have to stand up. Um really? I stand up to paint, I stand up to draw because I have a, 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 a slip disc or a prolapse disc about 12 years ago. And at that point I couldn't sit. It was just trapped nerve and I just couldn't sit anywhere. So basically I learned to even at work, I in the in the design agency, I had a raised desk because so I was standing up most of the day. It is tiring, but you know it's you tend to concentrate more because you're standing up. So I paint and draw standing up now. And it makes me constantly stand back from the drawing. So I tend to paint in the same, I have the same process for painting as I do for drawing. You know, build up the sort of the original drawing, then make a statement of the initial darks and then indicate the highlights, only indicate them, I don't put them in, and then build up the values from there. But it's the same process with painting. I tend to use the same, the same process, which is why the pencils are great for testing at no painting particularly portraits
0: no if that's sorry there's, there's I've had somebody come to the oh it's just left it at the front of the door so I get people coming all the time bringing parcels that aren't <laughs> for me and then it sets the dogs off and then <laughs> there's always somebody here no I, I totally get that um you know and I love the fact that you work out do you work out is it just more composition feel light then before your oil painting
1: or is it well, I've just started taking. We moved into this new house recently. We bought the house off an artist, uh, a lady called Norma Gregory, who was a, an RHS botanical artist, gold medalist, and uh, she's a friend now. She comes back and sees us regularly. Lives in the Lake District. It was just fantastic to sort of get uh, to get to know her. But she also said, "Would you take over my art classes in the village?" So, yeah, okay. So we've got a lovely group of people who come on a Saturday and we we do just choose different subjects. It could be a still life, it could be a landscape. And I teach that basically before we get involved in any detail or any techniques, let's just understand the fundamentals, composition, values, color, texture, edges. And I, I go through those one a week, regardless of what process we're doing. We focus on either the composition or whatever, And I say to them, look, just because you've got a photograph of something, don't assume that's your composition. Crop it. Try in landscape. Try in portrait. Zoom in on one part of it. But don't assume that full print or what you see on the specimen you see on the desk is your composition. You've got to make a decision on your design, first of all. And I think that's quite important to get that part right. Because if you did a beautiful drawing in the corner of a piece of paper, you think, oh, that could have been so much bigger, and the edge, run the, the corner of that drawing runs off the edge of the paper because it didn't think about the composition. Yeah. So I tend to focus on those things before I get into technique because it's what the academies teach. Really, the those those key features of values, color, things we just talked about, values, yeah. color, but yeah. edges is one of the one of the understated secrets. Really, understanding how to draw edges because people, people think that you have got to remember line is not, doesn't exist. Mm. It's implied everywhere and exists nowhere in nature. They're not lines. They're the edges of something. Um, Edges are an artistic tool. So to get people to think, don't think of that as a line, think of that as the, the edge of something. And secondly, can you see the edge? If you can't, it's because it matches the value of something behind it or it's in the shade and therefore it's a lost edge. And if you've got the sort of the edge of a shoulder, which has got the light on it, it gets a dark background, you've got a very sharp edge, which is a found edge. And it's to get them to see a picture that doesn't look like a cutout anymore. Now, particularly with animals, you, you know that the edges of the fur, sometimes it's sharp, sometimes it's, it's a lost edge. And that enables the thing to have form. And a lot of people struggle with um figure drawings, particularly, because they end up doing an outline <laughs> to the figure or the face. And I say, well, if you look at that carefully, you actually can't see that outline. There is mm-hmm. no light. It's what we call a lost edge. Yeah. And it's it's something I'm still trying to master, if I'm honest with you, and I probably never will, but it's something I have to look I look at regularly. Have I got the edges right? Because yeah. It does bring a picture alive if you get it right.
0: It really does. And I mean, I tend to find the lost edges, well, because I work on white pastel mat predominantly, my white and grey animals, you know, tend to have those. And the, the thing is that we think when we're first starting out, we think that we need to put an edge in there to be able to see the animal. Or what happens is, Somebody will say, "Oh, put a black background behind it; that'll make it pop out." <laughs> but actually, yeah. the the, the yeah. lost edges give the give as much pop, if you like, as having a black background on a white animal if they're done properly. And I didn't really understand that until I had critiques from. Do you know Aaron Gad? Have you come across Aaron Gad? He's a colored pencil artist. He does animals, and his work is oh no, amazing! Is it is it's amazing? I had some critiques done from him in uh, 2019 and he was talking to me about, I'd given him a grey horse, I think it was, to critique, and he was talking to me about the Lost Edges, basically where, you know, where it just floats off into the background.
1: Yeah.
0: And I now bring those in as as much as I can. Really have, it's the connection between the subject and what's behind it. Mm. And to me, that's vitally important. I know sometimes people do put like a line around it and it almost becomes like their style.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, you know, I've seen a few sort of realism pastel artists where they actually bring, I'm thinking, why? Have, I, I, I ask myself, why have they done that? And it's actually because it's their it's their, their style. style.
1: Yes, that's right. And and after all, style. we still do line drawings, don't we? Yeah. Line drawings are, uh, are something. Yeah. And I, and I do line drawings, pen and ink. I've used just about everything you can imagine, from airbrush to uh, pen and ink, over the years. So, line is, does exist, but it's a technique rather than a real thing.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, and it's and it's really nice to kind of talk to somebody about that because, uh, like you say, not many people really understand the importance of it.
1: Yeah, and it, you need it needs demonstrating, I think, to to get it really. Uh, But most of these things do, you know, understanding texture and composition. Composition is probably the most controversial of all the principles because some people say it's what it is. It's an action painting, like you throw stuff at a canvas and it lands where it lands, or you follow the golden ratio, the golden mean, and uh, it has to be exactly in that position. Mm, The truth is probably somewhere between the two. I keep an eye on the sort of the perfect proportions but i don't follow it rigidly i instinctively feel "Mm, that focal point's probably too too far to the left or the right or whatever um but sometimes we're told to break the rules anyway yes so if there are rules sometimes you break them to grab attention so it's that's the that's the fascinating thing about this whole subject is it constantly evolves you know people come up with something completely new like the Impressionists did by using the narrow part of the the colour value range to create, to to basically, that was their their colour strategy, to leave out the two extreme values of the colour because it's the middle band of that colour from dark to light that really shows the identity of that colour, like blue. Very dark and very light or less blue than the middle of the band.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm So it's it's all those things. I I'm still learning. You know, it's uh, every day I'm I read read art books avidly, particularly some of the American illustrators from the Golden Age of illustration in America. Some some of the best textbooks from that period. I just I still follow. And my hero is Norman Rockwell. So I was lucky enough to go to his museum um, about a decade or so ago when I was in New York at a workshop and. Um, I thought, you know what, I've come too far not to visit Norman Rockwell's museum, and it was amazing. One of the few times I got emotional in front of a picture. Really, that thing was get a grip, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just looking at some of his original, and he was so prolific; he was knocking these out every week, just for the yeah. cover of a mag- of this Saturday Post magazine. And this huge four-foot-wide portrait of a a young man speaking in a crowd and I thought, goodness me, I just can't take this in. It was just so awe-inspiring. And of course you get to see his studio and everything else. But it is a certainly if you go to America to New York State, it's worth a visit to his his museum.
0: Oh brilliant. You see, I I I think when when you go to museums and you know if you're not sort of an an arty sort of person or you don't paint or draw whatever and you go to the museums and you look at the the beautiful paintings and whatever and you you can appreciate them but I think when you actually know what goes into creating them how you know important the lighting is how important the subject and everything is and the techniques and everything that they've used it all it becomes a different thing to look at doesn't it Mm.
1: and I quite often I have to admit I can't I will never draw like Norman Rockwell or paint like Norman Rockwell, but some of the, the artists I tend to look at and follow and take inspiration from, I don't even attempt to draw a paint like that. No. I get something from it that I make mine. I mean, we all sort of, um, we look to all other artists for something, but we have to be ourselves. There is no point in me trying to, and I think if I have a criticism of of art generally, is that there are too many very well-known artists who are basically mimics of previous, like Lucian Freud. There's a lot of people who, big names, who are basically copies of Lucian Freud. And I'm a fan of Lucian Freud. Why try and repeat what he did? Yeah. Mm. I think a lot of people try and sort of copy the style of somebody else. I mean, and I don't think the point of that is.
0: Because You know, there's nothing really unique in the, you know, if you're thinking about an idea. So if you go to like your, the advertising and the, you know, the design and everything that you do, there's nothing really unique that comes out of advertising anymore, is there? It's always, somebody's always, always, already done it, basically. They say
1: there's Um, no such thing as an original idea.
0: Exactly, exactly. How you twist it. Exactly. But when, you know, we are all unique, every single one of us is completely different. And I think what comes out of us is down to our personalities, our emotions, our environment, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And and basically how your brain works.
1: Mm.
0: The kind of art that I love is, um, I love modern art. I I love, you know, something that has got colours that is just sort of, you know, a couple of lines that, you know, I love that. Yeah. I love it because yeah. I can read my own story into it. Yeah. I love something that is incredibly loose, you know, very impressionistic, again, so that I can make my own mind up and my own story about it. If I was to have, say, if I was to have a portrait done of my children or I was to have a portrait done of my animals, I would not choose a realism artist to do that portrait because that's not what I have on my wall but I can't do that my brain doesn't allow me to do that kind of work what comes out of my brain down my arm and through the pencils is what I put on the paper and I love that I absolutely love that because that's my tiny bit of control in a in a hot my whole life is chaotic I mean completely chaotic and that is the one tiny bit of everything in my life that I can completely control. And I love that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Most of the pictures on the wall in my house are semi-abstracts or abstracts. Very Usually very bright colours because yeah. it's not what I do. <laughs> yeah. I could have a go and I've done abstracts before, but it's not what, it's not what fulfills me. But I do love having them on the wall. Yes, and I've got friends who do abstracts and some very big names who do semi-abstract landscapes. And I've got two or three of them, but most of the pictures around the house are are abstract art. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I sure totally get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, look, look, like little illustrations that aren't that are a little bit sort of um, not not realism. Yeah. They're all a bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> I I love that kind of thing, you know, and it just. It's funny because I think, well, every single art genre gets knocked. You know, uh, you know, people hate modern art, you know, and people talk about realism as, well, everything's the same. If you're a realism artist, you're exactly the same as the next artist. And it couldn't be more far from the truth. It really couldn't. You know, you can look at some very realistic pencil artists who all do the same subject and each one is very, very, very different.
1: Yeah, You can quite often pick them out, can't you, by looking at these? saying, oh, I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of this sort of realistic, I mean, realism is a phrase, hyper-realism is something slightly different. Yes. But I remember seeing at the, uh, the BP Portrait Exhibition years ago, there was a, a painting, which is about 12 foot high, it was enormous of a head. And I thought, wow, that is extraordinary. And somebody said, it looks just like a photograph. I said, it isn't. It's gone beyond a photograph. It's so realistic. A photograph couldn't do that because it obviously perhaps exaggerated some of the colours and you know made, it, made the purple more purple as opposed to sort of mauve. And it just yeah. It's as you say. There's um, there's hyper realism, realism. It's finding that sort of what you're comfortable with. And I, like you, I don't always paint the things that I would buy for myself to put on the wall because I tend not to put my own stuff on the wall anyway. I think we're very similar in that respect because we both quite like detail as well, don't we? Yes,
0: yes, although...
1: But not all over the place. No. <laughs> That's the key, having the detail yeah. in the right place.
0: <laughs> I know, and this is, this is what's quite... I do a lot of critiques. I do... I critique 25 pieces of art a week which is actually one of my favorite times of the week because I get to see my students work and I get to see how amazing, you know, their work is. And one thing that I really try to get across, because when, when, when I look at your work, when you look at my work, when, when we look at realism work, we go, oh my goodness, it's so detailed, how fantastic. But actually when we really look at it, if you really looked at my work, you probably wouldn't see a huge amount of detail. You're not going to see every hair. You're not going to see, you know, all of that. What you're going to see is you're going to see the detail for me comes out in those tiny nuances of value that change throughout the whole piece. And that's where the detail comes from. And that's what I'm trying to instill in my students. And I think you go through a a set of stages. I think you go from almost quite sort of sketchy when you when you start. And I still am very sketchy when I draw. And then I think you try and draw everything that you can see. So every single fur detail, even if there's no detail there, you still try and get it in, and then you start to get to really understand how the form of what it is that you're drawing, and you really start to understand how light and dark makes such a massive difference. And then you understand that actually leaving detail out yeah. is a really good idea. <laughs> I think
1: you nailed it in one there, Bonnie. It's it's about you know I mean fur or hair. It's about positioning or placing a few very strategic hairs and replicating the rhythm and the pattern of hair or fur because there's a rhythm and a pattern to it, how it flows, giving the impression or the illusion that you've painted every hair. But as you say, when people look closely, you think, oh, he's only put a few hairs in, but it looks like the whole thing's been rendered. Yeah. And that, that's the, that's part of the thing about edges as well, isn't it? It's not painting every little detail. It's about... Picking out the things that were important, and one of the when we talk about you know those, those key things about composition, values, colour, etc. I always stick another principle right at the end, and I say the final thing you've got to keep in mind is what made you want to paint this in the first place. Keep in mind your original idea, and try and keep it in mind throughout the piece, so that you don't track why did I end up painting this in the first place. What am I doing with this? Try and keep, wow! It was the fact that 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 glint in the eye, or that highlight on the back of the hair, that looked so beautiful. And and if you lose that and forget about that, you forget the meaning of your picture. So I always say, in addition to colour, value, composition, textures, everything else, keep in mind your original idea. What made it yours? What drew you to this in the first place?
0: Yeah, that—that's. I'm guessing you do. And, that, and this kind of sort of links into that visualizing your pieces before. So I'm guessing, you know, when you kind of you're reading a book or you listen to a piece of music, you'll suddenly have a vision of something and it will be there in your head. And you will be like, I need to get this down on paper. If you because that's how I how I start every single piece. I have a, I visualize everything. I visualize me doing it. I visualize the techniques. I visualize colors and I visualize. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I visualize the end bit. Yeah, is, I do
1: the but, same. Yeah. yeah, if I, can't, I I know you know twenty percent, twenty percent into into a painting. I think this is definitely going to work. Or, and of course, there'll be ups and downs when I'm doubting myself. But there'll be a time when I think this is just never going to work because I've lost, I've lost what it was that made me want to do it. Somewhere, that's what I'm saying. Basically, try and keep in mind what it was that appealed to you. What. What gave you that buzz? I've got to draw that. Oh, that's so beautiful. I've got to convey that somehow. So, what do you do then if you do lose
0: that halfway through? It's not okay. You scrap scrap it, it. Start
1: again. Sometimes, yeah. I don't have many where I well, I sort of just bin them. I've got lots of unfinished canvases. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got, I've but got a
0: You know, when you when you scrap things, I'm sure there are times where you start it and you think, oh, I'm not quite sure about this. This is what I do. Not quite sure about this. I'm just going to keep going and see how it goes. And usually it pans out and it's fine. But very seldom. But not never, there comes a time where I'm like, this isn't working and I'm wasting my time carrying on with it. So I'm going to make a decision to just stop now.
1: I don't get worried about that. Yeah. I don't well, get
0: worried about
1: I, I mean historically as an illustrator, I didn't have that option. If I was struggling with something and it had to be ready for the next morning, I didn't have a choice. I had to come up with a strategy to make this work. And you learn little tricks and things that get you out of a hole. So quite often I will I don't really ditch a picture. I will find a way of turning it around and coming up with something acceptable. Um but I don't want something acceptable most of the time. I want something that's my best piece of work. Now, if yeah. somebody said to me, what's your best piece of work? The next one.
0: Yes. That's my best piece of work.
1: And, yeah. of course, that's not, not always the case. But, yeah, I would I would usually come up with a, a way of fixing things, as I did as a commercial illustrator, because I, I didn't have an option. I had to deliver it to the client. And, and it had to do a job. It had to sell something in some yes. or explain or illustrate something. But yeah so it's I really ditched them but I I I started the painting about 10 years ago after visiting monet's garden right in france and I was blown away it was I think it was autumn the sun was out blown away by the colors and I thought I've got to paint this and I started painting this big 4 foot canvas I've never finished it and I know why it was just so so complicated and I, I I'll eventually, we'll paint it, but it's been 10 years in the waiting,
0: right? So, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And some people say oh, that looks pretty good. No, it's not what I saw, what I saw was amazing. And i would yeah. come up with a strategy to actually convey that experience of what I saw. And I think at the time, I thought money's garden, <laughs> money's masterpieces weren't his paintings, it was his garden. That was right. the conclusion that I came to. The light yeah. was just extraordinary. But yeah, so I yeah, yeah, I mean usually fix most things and I don't often throw them away. But um yeah. what do
0: you think about um perfectionism? Because it's something that I'm I've got quite strong opinions about and I'm I really steer clear of perfectionism. I have a very laissez-faire attitude of life in general, really. And although I want my piece to be the best I can do, I'm also very much a an it'll do kind of person. Yeah, uh, you know, if you're not, from not Yorkshire not so Yeah, it'll do. If you're not, Yorkshire not so you know it's not a it's not a bad piece of work but I'll be like yeah I'm I'm all right with that that's okay and people go oh my god it's amazing but I'm like yeah but you know but I won't spend hours and hours and hours trying to perfect tiny bits and then when I finished it be disappointed because I haven't quite reached the perfectness that I thought I was gonna have
1: I think you're right if we if we did a if it was perfect you would never do another one Bonnie would you No. we already go after perfect? Yeah. Perfect 10. I'll stop there then, because I'm never going to do another one. So I agree. I agree. The next one's always going to be better, because we learn something from everyone. Everyone we do, we learn something that day, and we take it on to them. And that's what keeps us going, I think. Yeah. That's why artists don't retire, do they? No. Until they drop. Well, it's
0: just, just, uh, I did um, a podcast a couple of, was it a couple of weeks ago? around why I only use colored pencils you know I'm not interested I see other artists going oh you need to use other you know everybody should try and do different um memes and everything I might I'm only using colored pencils because I know I've got so much more to learn with color pencils I love them I don't I had a dabble at oil painting and it was okay but I, I didn't have the passion. For it, like I have with color pencils, I I just love my color
1: pencils. Yes. Well, I do. I mean, I've, as I say, as a as a child, I use color pencils. As an illustrator, I use color pencils a lot. And then I, I I wanted to start doing landscapes, and uh, I wanted actually I wanted to do portraits really well. So you know, about two thousand and six, I booked to go on a workshop in New York with a guy called Daniel E. Green, who's now passed away sadly. And it was a most incredible experience. He was one of the best known portrait artists in America at the time. And it was like being taught by Dumbledore, this wise old man that talked very slowly, and every piece of every word he spoke was a gem. And I came back and thought, I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> I'm going to paint in oils. And off we went. And of course, my first few attempts were brilliant. And I started painting in oils before turn of the century really but i only really got it after doing that workshop with him and i have to say it was such a fantastic experience i've always had rode both horses you know the color pencils and the and the olives because like you um i want to focus on one thing where possible i mean i even did a i even did a stonemason course in york okay and i had such fun i came back and said i'm going to buy all the tools i'm going to that's that. stop 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 you're never going to do that <laughs> you're never going to do it well anyway so just have fun but concentrate on what you do best in in so i, I yeah i don't i don't do watercolor anymore uh, i used to do watercolor don't often use i use pastel but it's usually in association with pencils i tend to just use pen color pencils and oils i've tried all these other things and Coloured pencils, I always come back to colour pencils because for lots of reasons. And we know they're very subtle. They don't give you the, the vivid colours of pastel or oils, but, hey, sometimes that's the quality you want. It's um...
0: Yeah, I love them. I absolutely love them. I, they changed my life. <laughs> always so, you get so time. you know, uh, They're just the most fantastic medium. They really are. And, um, you know, yeah, there is so much choice.
1: Yeah. But your and, your your yeah. development, Bonnie, is just off the scale in terms of where you started and I mean it's just well, been, wow what a I'm, what a learning curve.
0: Yes, yeah, it, it's funny. I've been writing. Um, I know we haven't got much more time, but I've, I've been writing down, I'm writing a book at the minute, and writing on my second chapter, and I'm talking about levels of learning. You know, the conscious incompetence and all of that kind of thing. There's like four levels: conscious incompetence. Unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence, and unconscious competence. Those four levels that we kind of go through when we're learning. And I went through those quite quickly. And and actually, I I feel that when people get to that level three where, where you're consciously incompetent, that's where an awful lot of people fall over and they go, I can't do this. They lose the confidence and they stop doing something. Whereas for some reason within me, I just kind of stormed through, I think because I was drawing such a lot. You know, when I started drawing, I had a full time job, had the children, husband, horses, but I still managed to get probably four or five hours drawing in in an evening. I stopped watching telly. I I stopped feeding the children, (laughs) stopped doing the ironing. You know, I just drew and and I was incredibly proud of every single piece that I did. I didn't do a piece and go, well, that's really rubbish and get really upset. I don't think I've ever got upset about getting a piece wrong. I've always loved every single piece that I've done. And I I don't know what it is in me that allows me to be like that because I'd like to share that with other people. Because so many people get so hung up because, oh, this isn't right and that isn't right and, oh, gosh, I hate it. And mine was just, I just love everything that I do. They, they might not have been very good, but I still love them.
1: Yeah. the way you were uh, at that I time. Honestly, yeah.
0: Yeah, but I honestly think that's how I've got to where I am now is because I've loved every single moment of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, enough to say to people, you know, this is, I won't kid you, this isn't going to be easy. If you just think you're going to sort of sit and render in, let your mind drift, and just by colouring book, but, but particularly with portraits, it requires concentration, which is why you have to take breaks, because it is it's, it's deep thinking sometimes, which you have to sort of really concentrate on, um, because it's not simple. You know, it, it, I go off and say that portraiture is easy for the don't, those that don't know how, and difficult for those that do. And it's so true. It's never an easy fix.
0: No, I've got yeah. these dogs scurrying around um so i know I know both of us have got to go because I know we've got um uh things to go to. I've actually got a voice coaching session coming
1: up. Have you Yes for, for singing no, for speaking oh, that's nothing wrong with you're speaking
0: I, <laughs> I know I want to be able to put certain things across a little bit better. Right, okay. Not to... The dogs scurrying around and growling. Uh, so, I, I've i been having some sessions with the voice coach to help me with strategies. Because every time there's a gap in my speaking, I want to fill it with something like an er or an um or something like that. And it's become quite a habit. So, she's helping me with certain things with that, which is really interesting.
1: Wow. You're a credit to your, your professionalism, Is um, it's a credit to you. Oh, thank you. And every everything, everything you've done so far, I know we've talked about that before. You know how you your marketing and everything else, and how organised you are. Yeah, yeah, you've you've got it together, Bonnie. That's for, that's for sure.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. I've, I have to say, I've had some incredible help. I, I'm not I'm not one to sit down and try and do it on my own. I reach out to people who are experts in what they're doing to help me, which is yeah. which has really been well. That's what's helped me get to to where I am. But um and again, you know, I think that's quite a good quality to be able to Absolutely.
1: Yeah, we can't do everything.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. And I know, um, I know we're going to chat at some point anyway. I'm not sure whether we've got time right now, but that was fantastic. Honestly, I could talk to you forever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've never done a podcast before, so
0: it's so but for me it's just about talking to somebody and just sharing our our chat. That's what it's all about.
1: Well, I didn't watch your, your. I w- did watch your. I listened to your other one on, with Lucy and a few other people, and I thought uh, quite a nice, relaxed chat format, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't want to be, you know, throw questions at people and and have everything really, you know, sort of ordered. I'm not, just not that kind of person.
1: <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it did work very well, and I hope it. Hope it comes out okay. Um, no, thank you, Bonnie. You just keep doing what you're doing because it's it's very impressive
0: oh that's really kind of you thank you yeah. thank you and we'll catch up let me know when you've got those questions and we'll yeah. catch it thank you, thank
1: you so no thank you bonnie i'll be in touch bye.
0: soon, soon. Okay. bye bye i really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of my it's a bonnie old life podcast if you did i'd be so grateful to you for emailing me or texting a link to the show or sharing it on social media with those you know who might like it too My mission with this podcast is all about sharing mine and my community's experience and hope by telling your fascinating personal stories, championing the other amazing humans in my personal, professional and membership community and to create another channel through which I can support you to realise your coloured pencil and life dreams. If you haven't done so yet, please help me on my mission to spread positivity and joy throughout the Coloured Pencil world by following me on my socials at Bonnie Snowden Academy or by getting on my list at BonnieSnowdenAcademy.com. And remember, I truly believe if I can live the life of my dreams doing what I love, then you can too. We just need to keep championing and supporting each other along the way in order to make it happen. Till next time.